0: Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Red Talk Podcast. I am Mike Warner along with Chris Lisa, and we've got a great guest coming in for, you, for us today. We've got Jamie Thomas from Winnipeg Jets TV joining us later in the show. We're going to look at the week that was for the Golden Knights, and we'll go around the week. The uh, trade deadline, the ice is broken, the Kings and Sins pull off a trade. We're going to discuss that and a whole bunch more. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at theHockeyWriters.com. We're talking with JD Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McFee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the
1: finest man I've ever met in my life.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clay Milarczyk. There's something
1: about George McFee that everybody says is a good pick.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Once again, I am Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We've got a great show for everybody today. Before we get to that, uh, you know where you're listening to us. And if you're on iTunes or Stitcher or Blog Talk Radio or SoundCloud, you could be on Grandstand Sportsnet. You could be on Rush Cohen Sportsology page. You could be over at thehockeywriters.com. Anyway, we do appreciate you coming along for the ride Saturday mornings out here on the West Coast. Make sure you click that subscribe button and leave us a little feedback. We're always looking to do a better job for you guys, so that helps us a lot when you subscribe and send in a little bit of feedback. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are things on the East Coast?
2: Well, I got a a quick, funny uh, fandom hockey story. Well, I think it's kind of funny, and that is – you know, the, to say that this Islanders season has been one where it's turned my hair gray is putting it uh, mildly. But, uh, you know, the, the other night uh, against Calgary at home, they, uh, they blew, you know, went to the third period up 2-1 and lose that game in regulation or less. And, they, and Columbus totally just outplays them. And, uh, and, you know, friends are texting me and, you know, looking for answers. And I'm like, they're cooked. You know, I'm like, uh, you know, yeah. they're absolutely cooked. And, uh, in fact, uh, I wrote a new article that I posted today on second thought, you know, they should protect their future in terms of trading away any draft picks or prospects. So so what, ha- so what happens is, you know, the last 24-plus hours or so, you know, they beat the Rangers at home 3-0, and then they go to Carroll. And I was like, all right, you know, great performance by Halak, 50 chains. Uh, I'm like, all right, let's see what happens against Carolina and they beat them three nothing. Thomas Bryce has really struggled this year, he was a good goalie, but he's just had a tough year and he responds with a forty five save shutout. I feel like the movie The Godfather and I, I you know, it's it's uh, crazy <laughs> to quote Godfather three, but uh I feel like just when I thought I was out, they, they keep dragging me back in and I, I, I that's how I but kinda feel. With, with, with this team, but anyway, let's let's talk about a team that it doesn't turn their fans' hair uh, into gray, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. They've won two in a row, still have that ten-point lead in the division. Uh, you know, just going along, humming a song, singing a song, or whatever that expression is, and all is good in the world.
0: All is definitely good in uh... the.
2: Vegas Golden a nice world.
0: They come back from the road trip, and, and, you know, there's a trend in Vegas where you don't bet the home team after a long road trip. There's a tendency to have letdown games in that spot. So Philly came in and gave them a whooping. And uh, then the Thanks Chicago that, comes in, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, it was it's great, right? Um, you know, that was the, the day after Elliot was injured. And in the shootout, Neuver came in in Arizona, the first goalie ever to win a shootout, being inserted into the lineup during the shootout. And, and then he came in back-to-back right. back the next night and, uh, yeah. in Stonewall, Vegas. So we'll talk a little b- bit more about that and how that affects the Flyers later in the show. And then Chicago came in and came to the, the 8 of 9 them. at home. And just put a hurting on them. I will say it was the... I, it has to have been the largest contingent of visiting team fans at T-Mobile this year. There's a, the, it was a sea of red, in uh, the in T-Mobile there. Sea of
2: crying red, night, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You got to, you got to do better holding on to your tickets there, Knights uh, fans. That was,
0: a, that was a little bit much.
2: No, I meant, I um, meant a sea of crying, yeah. crying red for the Blackhawk. Well,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to say, I hope that uh, that all the Blackhawks fans, and there is a lot of Blackhawks fans here in Vegas, man, but uh, I hope the rest of them enjoy the rest of their trip to Las Vegas. Maybe the tables were kinder to them than the Golden Knights were. Um, uh, Three goals in, in four minutes to start the third period put that game away. And that was the Hawks' seventh straight loss. So things are going south in Chicago. And then. You know, two nights later, the payback game against Edmonton. Edmonton handed the Knights their worst loss of the season earlier on, an 8-2 whooping, and then beat them again here in overtime. So it, it was good for the Knights' psyche, I guess, to, uh, you know, thoroughly thoroughly dismantle the other squad. All the big guns, Marceau, so, uh, Mar- Carlson scored, uh, Frank Carpenter. A bright spot lately here for the Golden Knights. Open the scoring. He's,
1: he's got three goals in his
0: last five games. He's in the lineup. Injuries to William Carrier and Tomas Nosek, um, and he's making a he's making a case to stay in the lineup. Even when Carrier comes back, Nosek came back. But uh, carpenter has got a, a, a real quick burst of speed. He, he goes down in all his goals are coming right down in the in the in the crease. He's getting to the dirty areas and, and he's showing why the Nights got him from the Sharks. So it was a waiver claim. Um, so I, I like what I'm seeing out of Ryan Carpenter. Uh, I tweeted out that he's making a case to stay in the lineup um, a week or so ago, and he's he's continued his good play. Um, all around, The Coach Vaughn had him on the ice at the end of one of the games in the last minute, uh, blocked a cross-ice pass that may have tied the game, had it connected because the 5 was unprotected. Um so he's playing two hundred foot of hockey, and he seems to fit in really well with what the Golden Knights want to do. Um, so, and then unfortunately they lose the shutout uh, with about seven minutes left. Edmonton got got a tally, but it was it was, uh, it was a four one win. And then up up next tonight, Montreal. Um, Montreal's sitting outside of the playoffs right now, struggling through uh, a difficult season. So, so they'll probably be upset and ready to come in and give the Golden Knights all they
2: have. I think it'll
0: be a good game tonight
2: down at the T-Mobile. Yeah, I want to talk about, because I've been reading a lot of the rumor mill, and obviously it would be shocking between now and the February 26th trade deadline if Mike Green is not traded. And obviously, you know, George McPhee, having spent a lot of time with Mike Green in Washington, having drafted Mike Green, you know, Vegas has been a very prominent name of a possible landing spot for him in a trade. And... Not that I don't think Mike Green—I think Mike Green's a really good player—and uh, I think it could really help Vegas, but uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they have to be very—we've talked about this—about being guarded, you know, with their future, um, uh, and to, for them to trade what the what the demand for Mike Green, which is going to be, you know, you you know maybe not a first-round pick, but you know, a second-round pick. And a pretty good prospect, or a second-round pick, or maybe two twos over two years, or you know, if the Red Wings last year got a two and a three for Brendan Smith, you got to figure it's going to be a you know a little a, a substantially higher for Mike Green, and maybe someone does give up a first-round pick. Uh, but uh, you know, with the you know with this being a first-year franchise, and you know, forget even if you told me today. I guarantee you that the Vegas is going to re-sign when all is said and done between now and July 1st, James Neal and David Perron, even though that's a different position, but just in general, in terms of moving forward, I would say, okay, that's great. But, you know, we can't guarantee where those guys games going to be at in a couple of years. I mean, not, I don't expect them to fall off the table, but, you know, maybe they're not playing as well as they are this year. Maybe they're, they get a little bit older and they are 20 or 30% down on their game and, so the long story short, I'm trying to get to is they got to be, in my opinion, kind of protective of those assets. And we've talked about it before in recent weeks with the trade deadline. That you know they don't have a third round pick as it is. I mean that's not the end of the world. But you know again, if they, considering they don't have a third round pick, and I, I'm I'm not moving any of those. Obviously there's no way I'm not moving the first round pick. But I'm not moving the second-round pick, and um, they would have re uh, sign Mike Green. Uh, you know, to lose those future assets. I mean, I have no problem if they sign Mike Green after the season. I think that would actually be a nice pickup. But um, yeah, I, I am uh, these these rumors of Mike Green to Vegas. Uh, it just doesn't it, it it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how you feel about it. Mike Green's at
0: UFA, right? He's just going to be a rental yeah. pending being re-signed, yeah. that's correct? Okay, well...
2: He's a up pending UFA,
0: yep. What if, if we can get a defenseman going the other way, Jason Garrison, and you throw in a roster player... Gonna who a lot. Might,
2: yeah, it's going to cost a lot more than that. It's going to cost. cost... Well,
0: well you, get, you, you get Leipzig, who's a speedy forward who seems to be a little bit snake-bitten and he's been out to scratch now for a couple of games. When Carrier comes back, if they think Carpenter can be the piece that that Leipzig hasn't been able to do, if you go Garrison Livesick, who's a good young prospect, he's got a lot of skill. Yeah, they're going to want. I can
2: tell you there. right now, they're they're not going to want that. And they're going to to throw in a the second. Gonna, in two years. Yeah, they're going to want a draft. They're going to want a, a, a minimum a second round pick, and if you and they're going to want a, at minimum a really good prospect with a defenseman. Um, so, for instance. Who was the kid that they drafted last year in the second round? It was an early pick defenseman. Not you could go Nick from, Hague,
0: um, Hague or or Nick Hague.
2: Nick Hague. So that those are the kind yeah. of guys that Detroit is gonna is gonna want. And uh, I go and Nick Hague for that. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: <gasps> I'd, I'd go next year's Nick second Hague and year.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't like it. I really. And maybe, you know, not that I don't think Vegas is not capable of having a, a great spring, um, uh, but you've got to be protective of that future. And um, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just a little leery. You know, there's a lot of questions to me. Like I said, there's questions about some of the guys who are pending UFAs on Vegas' team. You know, there's questions of, to me of some of the young guys who've played really well and not and i I down on them or don't think uh, they can continue to play really well, but you know, I, I gotta see William Carlson do it again, as, for instance. I gotta see Eric Hula, you know you mean, Eric Holler, do it again, for instance. I'm not saying they're not going to, and I'm not saying like there's a decent probability they're not going to, but I Well, you know, it's the same boat that, of, that you wanted Jason chase show.
0: You wanted to see Marcia show do it again, right? Same Same exactly, scenario.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And he did. And he got the money, and it made total sense. And he did, and, absolutely, and, absolutely, absolutely. But it doesn't see, always. Uh, yeah, it doesn't always seem to, you know, work. It doesn't always work that way. So, I really like where the team is at, and I would love to see them. what well, uh, add Mike Green, but I, I just, I, I'm just very leery of trading any of those. You know, if this was two years' time, where ironically that the Knights are loaded. Uh, with twenty nineteen draft picks, they they have all their own. Plus, they have uh, a few other picks from a few other teams. Um, I I I would feel a little bit differently about it, but heading into this draft, uh, you know, having less picks, uh, you know, being further down than than originally thought. But you know, we'll see. Again, I don't want to go too crazy about it because it is the rumor mill. But I mean, the latest hot rumor yeah. has you know the, the capitals really trying to uh, land Mike Green so we'll uh, which would make a lot of sense so we'll see how that uh, well, that plays out but let, let's get to the big uh stories of the week let, let
0: me and, do let me do hold on let me do one thing for you
2: um i
0: don't think that their real need is on defense to be honest with you i'd rather see them get a little bit more physical and a little bit more experience on a third line forward, let's say a Scotty Hartnell type player, where he, a guy that can fly around, he's not afraid 20 goals in, you know, Hartnell, I always am surprised when I look down and saw that Scott Hartnell had another 20 goal season uh, because the the way he plays with reckless abandon um, physically and, and he'll still pump in a, a, you know, a, a, you know, 20 goal scorer, I think that is the type of player heading into the playoffs because we know that the playoffs are going to be more physical. We know the checking is going to get ramped up. We know the refs are going to swallow their whistles, and it's going to be a lot harder for Vegas to break the puck out of their own end and and get into the speed game that that is so successful for them. I think if you have a, a, a little more depth on that third line, someone who's not afraid to throw the body around and can still give you a little bit of offense, and has that speed. I, I think a Scotty Hartnell type player is more along the lines of what this team needs to do at the deadline than uh, uh, you know what you would say is a puck moving defenseman who could help on the on the power play. I think their their power play has been playing very solid. I think Nate Smith and Colin Miller fit Bill for a, a two you know your top pair and your second pair for your puck moving guys. Um, I if you had to ask me. If I Mike Green or a Scott Hartnell type player, I think the Scott Hartnell type, you know, Zimgus Gergensen as Brian Blessing's been been pumping the tires here on Vegas hockey hotline radio, uh, that type of guy out of Buffalo or a Scott Hartnell type who's who's got a little grit, it's gonna help him in the physical battles in the playoffs. And I think that is more the direction this team needs to look to here on the trade deadline than to add a defense. Remember, they've got they've got NHL contract players playing in the minor leagues right now, and they're going to be looking to move the Jason Garrison for a third. Maybe they can get that third-round pick they don't have next year out of Jason. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Garrison. He came up for a little bit and got yeah. sent back down. He's an NHL defender. There's no question about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think know, that's
2: I more if w- along the line. The year. I mean, if they can, God bless, but I don't know if they can get a third-round pick for him based on – uh, the year he's had in terms of not being in the NHL a lot, you know, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, that's but, uh, not
0: that's really not reflective to... on
2: that's not reflective
0: on him. I don't think.
2: Yeah, I know, but it is also, you know, the reality of the marketplace, and I just I would be surprised if you can get a third. I mean, that's just my gut feeling. I would be surprised if you can get a third round pick for uh, for Jason Garrison. Just my gut feeling. Well, maybe, that's he, maybe he brings that, you another that, fourth. That, yeah, that and 275 will get you on the subway though. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> the the Kings and the Sens want to get your opinion first about this. Uh, you know, the first real uh, you know big trade to go down prior to the deadline, and of course it was one that no one saw coming. Uh, Dion Phaneuf, I hadn't seen his name really much anywhere, uh, going to the Kings along with Nate Thompson, who's a good little player. Kings give up uh, Gaverick and uh, Nick Shore, who's a who's a better version of Nate Thompson, I think. Uh, but uh, how, how did what do you think of the trade for the Kings in terms of uh, the the short term and the long term? think
0: look, there, there's two bad contracts in Fenati and,
2: and Gavric, and
0: by eating a little bit of the contract, Ottawa Ottawa gets Gavric who it's a bad contract for the Kings, So that's off the books, but now, now you have enough in his bad contract. So where, where he's going to fit in on defense is, you know, not really sure if, if competitively that's a a plus or a minus or or a negative or a a, a okay. Um, I think the key key piece for the Kings is you get Nate Thompson who can bring you more experience Playoff experience. He had a great run with the Ducks um, on that third line center role. I like Nick Shore. Um, he's just a little bit younger, and you know, with Ottawa uh, needing, you know, probably a little more skill and a little more speed with with Turris gone, um, it makes sense for them to bring in a young guy like Nick Shore, who's been playing that third line center role, and then for the Kings. If they make the playoffs, I think having the experience that Nate Thompson brings at that third line center position is is an upgrade playoff wise. Um, you know, long
2: term. Yeah, I'm with uh, you on the. Mitch, go ahead.
0: Nick Shore could could uh, reach a little bit higher of a ceiling, but I don't think Rob Blake's done. He's already. I think this might be his fourth trade this year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's 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 willing to pull the trigger on a deal. You know, they signed Mike Camillary in the offseason and it wasn't working out. And he sent him to Edmonton early in the year. He brought in, um, you know, he made a couple other okay. deals during the season already, but um, yeah, Jokinen and there's, there's one other cat and the name is escaping me right now. Um, it's right off the tip of my tongue, Montreal, I believe. Um, but, but anyway, so he's, he's, yeah, he's not really, scared to make a deal and I don't think he's
2: done. Yeah, I really like the deal. I, I mean, let me rephrase that. I, you know, uh, I, I don't. I don't think this deal is going to hurt them either in the short or the long term. And I, I agree with you on Nate Thompson. The fact that he can play center, uh, and he's you know played, he had to spend time with the Ducks. So he knows that division well. Um, this is how I look at Finnes. I mean, not the same player that he once was. There's obviously, a lot of miles in that body, but. Here's the question I have. Come, come playoff time, assuming the Kings make the playoffs, between this playoffs and next year, okay, I think he's signed for three more years, uh, can Can Dion enough, you know, with the playoffs going, turn back the clock a little bit? And maybe not be, when I say turn back the clock, not be that first-pairing defenseman, but be a real good, good secondary defenseman and bring some physicality. That's how I look at it. Can which which would be a huge gain for the Kings if he can. I mean, over an 82 game season, yeah, he's kind of gonna be. He's not gonna hurt you. He's not gonna be like this big player for you, like like back in the day when he was with Calgary and the day, day. But come the playoffs, can that veteran dial it up and 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 be a key secondary player for the Kings and? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I mean, in, to me, I could see that happening. Uh, I think it's a uh, given that I think it's a risk worth taking. I, uh, as much as we talk about all these forwards on the open market that we know about, not a lot of defensemen. There really isn't. I mean, you know, you got Mike Green, right. Eric Branson, supposedly. Um, it, it's a thin list. You know, there's you could probably name about eight or nine forwards, but you could probably only name couple of defensemen, uh who are truly gonna definitely get moved, you know, Ryan McDonough aside. That's a different kind of that's a different set of encyclopedias. So so given all that, I think it's a I think it's a risk worth taking and it's not like it's gonna hurt the cap effect I think is basically the same. Uh Nick Thompson is a pending unrestricted free agent, so he'll probably, you know, move on uh after the season, whereas Nick Shore, uh I believe they still have his rights and they would still have his rights. So um yeah, I I think it's a risk worth are taking for the Kings, but Ottawa. I guess you know they they get Shore, who could be a good nice player for them. And you know if Gabbard could ever stay healthy and regain his scoring touch, maybe a year or maybe two from now, they can they can move that contract when he only has a couple years left on it. So I mean it, it was you know it was tough to move enough, but um, it was definitely an interesting trade.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, speaking of the King's defense, I was watching Russia manhandle USA hockey this morning, and and uh, old friend Slava Voinov, I believe, pumped in their their oh. one one of the goals for them, or made a made a real nice play around the net that that set up a goal. I didn't see who actually was credited with the goal, but I heard Voinov, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he is still playing, isn't
2: he? It's that guy. And then.
0: And then Ilya Kovalchuk pumped in those to knock down USA Hockey four um, nil. wasn't very pleasing right. to watch either. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, the, I, I think I think that's what Kings were looking to do is get a little more experience down the middle. Once Jeff Carter comes back, Nate Thompson might fill the fill the gap there, second line center for the next couple of weeks, and then slot back a little bit and and you know help keep them in that playoff race until Carter comes back. And then you've got Kopitar, Carter, and Thompson down the middle. Um, Andy Anoroff, good fourth line center, serviceable guy. So, I think I think that's what they're trying to do with that trade, and obviously move the Gaborit contract. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see.
2: And then the other big story this week was Seattle uh, officially filing their application for expansion. Um, you know, we 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 all knew this was coming. it it, it seems like from afar. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, Seattle, we've talked about this in the past. It's the 12th largest market. Uh, it's, a, it's expanding the NHL map. Uh, it's, uh, you know, an area that has had uh, a good history of, a strong history of minor league hockey, you know, um, in, you know both in, uh, uh, you know, the Oregon, you know, Washington Territory, so it will me, and then you look at the ownership group involved. They get you know the new, new supposedly a new building on the way. So it just looks like it's a slam dunk. I mean, I've seen uh, notes about may, maybe as early as twenty the 2020, 2021 season. Just believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, it's not that far away. Um, so uh, you know the interesting thing will be you know there's already eight teams in the Pacific, and I think the the easternmost team in the Pacific, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe is Arizona. Uh, am I right about that? I, I Which obviously is a western team. It's a, you know, very, what about, well, very yeah, west. Edmonton yeah, and Calgary. What about Edmonton 10
0: and Calgary? Can you put them in the central? Less uh, travel to know. get to Minnesota and Chicago and like that.
2: Yeah, I didn't think about that, you know, but – uh, obviously the Arizona situation has to get, you know, resolved as well, but, but uh, you know, that's, a, that's a something they can figure out for another day. The key is, you know, adding, uh, you know, uh, not so much adding a 32nd team, uh, which is great, but adding a 32nd team, that's going to be a home run, obviously so far so good in that category, uh, with Las Vegas. And I think Seattle would, would follow, uh, uh, that fo- follow that formula really well.
0: So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, what you know to do? A- we, we need to reach out to our friends over at Seattle sin Band and have them on the show to break down the latest news about, this oh, topic. Sure. um, they, they, they're, they're great guys. And, and the podcast they do Seattle sin Band up there is, uh, First rate. So I'm, I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can't get them on and get the insider's view from what's going on up there. Because yeah, everyone knows Seattle was supposed to go in with, with Vegas, um, if you will, and actually delay, I believe delayed Vegas's entry into the league for a year waiting to see if Seattle was going to put together that stadium deal in Soto. And that did not work out. So now they're in the full gut and remodel of key arena. Um, I like the players involved in it. I like the location. I think it's a great city. I think the built-in rivalry with Vancouver, and in the, that's the great... I mean, their soccer team in Seattle outdraws the second-place MLS team by over 20,000 fans per game. So they're definitely a sports city, and I don't see any yep. downside to it. Um, I, I, think, I think Gary Bettman wants a team there, and... It, it, I think it's going to happen. I mean, and I think it'll be good Absolutely. for the league when it does. Now, before yeah, uh, to the
2: we'll guys, go- we should have our we should have our guests calling in shortly. But uh, before we get to uh, before we sneak in, we talk a little bit about the Flyers have been playing really, uh, really well. Um, they had another win last night. Uh, survived the late goal, I believe, by Columbus, and a uh, third period goal by Columbus. They won in overtime. Uh, currently in third place in the crowded metro, uh, very crowded metro division. But you now they lose Brian Elliott for the next five or six weeks. So that's gonna gonna take us basically almost to the end of the season. You know, Michael Norworth is very capable goalie of being a number one. He just cannot stay healthy. So that's just something to watch in terms of, you know, he's gonna have to. They're gonna have to have him play a lot too it's not just playing him there's no there's no reason to worry from that standpoint but will he he hold up his whole career it's he just seems to get hurt and um you know one injury after another so uh they need him to stay healthy over this next five or six weeks if he does i'm i'm a firm believer he can do the job we'll see how the rest of the team holds up but um you know it's a definitely a very interesting story uh What's going on with the Flyers this year, and and it sounds like Ron Hextall is not going to trade. Uh, he's going to again, he's going to keep his eye on the future. He is supposedly the word is you can't get any of his, you know, young kids in the system that he's excited about or his first or second round pick. I mean, he, he might make a move dealing with secondary pieces, be it sec- secondary draft picks uh, or secondary prospects, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think – I mean, obviously, the Konechnys and the Pro-Rogs and the Gossespears and all those guys aren't going anywhere. That's yeah, the core yeah. for the futures. And, well, yeah, it's forget like about Chad it. I think a Johnson I'm,
2: would be a good, good pickup for them. You know, a guy who – Yeah, 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 right. With their fifth-round pick, you know, give him a little – you know, a veteran, you know, give him a little security, you know, Buffalo East. A he's a UFA at the end of the year. So a guy, a guy like that, I could see them. Uh, you know, again, if Buffalo got a fourth-round pick for him, they'd be thrilled, I think. Um, it might even cost less than that. It might be like a fifth-round pick.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, t- tough sledding in the east where they're at, um, currently in the playoff spot. They did come out of the break a little bit slow, and and now I think they have points in four of five, if I'm not mistaken. So they're on – you know who else in the east is on a nice little run? Uh the Florida Panthers. Have all of a sudden reared their head and are asking to be counted.
2: Yeah, they got a long got way a to go work.
0: and a lot of teams to a right. lot of teams to uh, right. jump up. But they're on a nice little run since the All Star break as well.
2: Yeah, they are. I've noticed that. But again, they're gonna have to keep it up. And you know, sometimes in all, especially you see this a lot in baseball. a Team falls way behind in the season and then they go on a nice run to get to like 500, yeah. so much effort and work. And then you kind of have like a little bit of a bad spell and then you're back, not back where you started, but you still, you know, it, it's a tough, it, it, it's a tough hill for them to climb, uh, to say the least, you sure. know, so, uh, but Hey, you next, Hey, you never know. I mean, you know, a lot of these other teams, uh, uh, you know, they, they definitely have their flaws to say the least, and they definitely have been, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? But uh uh you know, they haven't been the most consistent consistent of the bunch, you know. So uh right. I mean, the Islanders are t- t- uh, you know, fill that resume to a T as an example. So uh but having said that, uh they're only I think four points behind the Flyers who are in third place. So um it's it's really nuts of uh the division. I mean, the only thing we, you know, the teams in the Atlantic—Tampa, Boston, and Toronto—you know, they're sitting pretty. And and the one interesting thing I, I uh, about that is, what a first-round matchup that's going to be on the two teams that don't win the Atlantic. So let's say Tampa holds off Boston. How about a Boston-Toronto first-round series, sir? Or if Boston overtakes Tampa, how about a Tampa? Toronto, you know, first round series. Or if Toronto goes on a little bit of a run, New wins the division. How about Tampa, Boston, first round? So one way or the other, you're going to have a, a, a just an incredible first round series uh, with with two of those three teams in in on the top of the Atlantic.
0: Yeah, no question at all. No question at all. That's going to be. Uh, I'd like to see the the Toronto Boston, just because. Uh, how that series went A couple of years back Between Toronto and Boston When Toronto was up 4-1 And ready to move on
2: Oh, right and
0: Gave it up in the last What, four minutes of the game um, And that was the Leafs' First playoff appearance In quite some time So I'd like to see That series revisited If you will A little bit You know, a little bit more Miles under the tires For this Toronto club And a red-hot Boston Bruins team Um I think that would be a very fun series.
2: Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's interesting because those three teams are, if you if you, uh, you look at it, they have the, the three most points in the Eastern Conference. So I believe Washington's at 73, as as we speak, and, and Toronto's at 75. But yet, we can, obviously, we can guarantee that one of them is going home after the first round. So uh, it's going to be a tough pill, uh, to swallow for one of those teams, and a very disappointing one. You know, uh, in Toronto, that uh, you know, last year was the year where, you know, there was no expectations, just, you know, give us a good effort, you know, give everything you got, and we're happy. Uh, you know, this year uh, they won them forward momentum. So, you know, if they, they have another great first-round series like last year and then wound up losing in six tough games or even a seventh game, uh, everyone in Toronto is probably going to be like uh, very upset.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You—that's <laughs> not what they're looking for, sir. Um, no, I—we got a, about twenty-five, twenty-four or so games left to figure that out. But that bottom eight of these—what's your what's your gut feeling there? Since we started this. Uh, talking about Philadelphia, do you think they can finish it up and, and grab the seventh or eighth shot
2: slot in the playoffs? Well, right now they're in the three spot. Um, I don't know what to right, say right. with all those teams, to be honest. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, it looks like Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has found it's, you know, found a bit of its, uh, found more consistency. So you gotta like, you gotta like the fact that uh, you gotta like their chances to be in that top three. You know, Washington, God bless the Washington this year. you got to give them kudos, tip your cap. Uh, they don't have the depth that they have, and, and, you know, for them to be as high as they are. So I give them kudos as well. Um, you know, after that, I mean, Flyers, to me, can, you know, all the other teams can go either way. You know, the big team that I don't think has been talked about enough uh, uh, on a national scale, that's been a huge disappointment is Columbus. I remember Columbus last year, even though they lost in the first round, they had like 112, 113 points. I think a lot of people felt going into this year, including yours truly, that they were probably the team in the in the metropolitan that had the least amount of question marks in terms of, you know, were Washington losing all the players that they did and Pittsburgh, you know, having climb run the gauntlet two years in a row and, and that you felt like Columbus was a shoe in for a minimum top three spot. And, yeah, they got a good chance of missing the playoffs. So, um, I mean, that that's a big story, obviously. So, uh, and you know, last night they did get a point out of it. They did come back to tie and at least get a point out of it. But this, they they you know they had a pretty. If you go back and look, they had a pretty, they had a good October, and since then they've been they've been below average, and that's a long time. So, uh, I I'm kind of worried about all. I would be worried about all those teams. Um, to be quite frank now, I think, you know, obviously, you know, I think one will, you know, get a streak going and, and separate them. What well, I wouldn't say separate themselves too much, but kind of be, be okay. And I think the others for that, for those wildcard spots, it's going to be a free for
0: No, I agree completely. What about out west here? Sure, we talked a little bit about the west last week. Um, um, right now, St. Louis and Minnesota are holding down that 7-8 seven, seven, spot. Well, one's, the three, one's, uh,
2: the, uh, one's the automatic and one's the first wild card, yeah.
0: Okay, so then you got a big cluster of the Pacific Division teams with, with Anaheim, the Kings, Calgary, San Jose, all kind of bunched up right there. St. Louis and Minnesota are going to take care of it, or are we going to get a wild card out of the Pacific Division?
2: Well, right now, I think Minnesota is the second wild card at 68 points. So then you have right. all the Pacific teams. Uh, you know, Calgary's, I think, at, in third currently uh, at 68, with the Sharks in second at 70. Uh, you have the Ducks at 67. You have the Kings at 65 had yeah, don't forget Colorado. They're at sixty six. So, I mean, it's just it's right. just, it's just you know it's just it's tight as a drum out there. You know, basically, uh, with that kind of race, you know, you can't lose two in a row. I mean, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, if you lose a game, first of all, if you lose a game, at least you try to get a point out of it. And if and if you lose in regulation, well, you you got to come ready for bear the next game. Like it's almost like a playoff mentality, right? You lose a playoff game, you gotta you gotta bring everything to win that, that next game. You don't want to lose two in a row in the playoffs. It's kind of like the same scenario right now for all those teams because even like San Jose right now who's in the two seed, you know, they lose a couple games in a row, they can go from being the two seed to being on the outside bubble of the playoffs. So, um, again, it will be interesting to see which one of these teams, both East and West, are going to be, be the ones that are Will uh, be aggressive at the deadline, or for lack of a better term, from aggressiveness of doing what it needs to take to get a deal done, whatever that price may be. If it's a guy like Evander Kane, or if it's Mike Green, or if it's uh, uh, Matt Succarello or you know whoever you want to whoever you want to put out there. So, um, so yeah, that will be uh, that. And that could, you know, and obviously injuries. I mean, when you're talking about the, the difference between of making or missing the playoffs in both conferences could come down to e- literally one point, be it either you fall one point short or you tie the other team in points, but you lose on the ROW tiebreaker, you know what I mean? So you basically lost by one point. So, uh, you know, the smallest of margins are, uh, are in play here.
0: Let me get you to put your GM cap on for a second and just throw a philosophy question at you. Let's say, let's say you're GM of one of the teams in the West that's going to be fighting for it, but you don't, there's more holes on your roster than you can fill with one or two deals. You don't think that you're a serious contender. I mean, if everything goes good and you think that uh second, third round would be a great finish to the season, but, but, uh, Someone calls and, and they're like, I got this to offer you and I'll, I'll, I'll take one of your prospects. How, how, how deep into the farm do you go to add a piece if you don't really have the faith in your club to make a, a very long run into the playoffs? Um, all these teams down in the 60, 68, 65, 67 point range are going to be looking to add pieces. But how, how deep do you go? and what what's the what's what do you think the plus side is of making a first round exit as opposed to trying to get a good player through the draft
2: well first of all, if you don't have faith that your team can you know even if they're going into whatever series and they're gonna be an underdog and you need you know uh. uh and they need you to, do, uh, you know, play off underdog, uh, type of situation and you need a surprise. I mean, and you don't, you know, you don't have a lot of faith that that can happen. I think you're, you're looking at at best secondary pieces. So you cannot trade any you know, first or second round picks or any of your top prospects. And, you know, even probably the better of your secondary, uh, secondary prospects. So I wouldn't even go there. Uh, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you have to have some faith that your team can make a run. Uh,
0: out, of, out of the West, and we're going to be talking with Jamie Thomas, host of Winnipeg Jets TV and the Winnipeg Jets Insider here in a couple minutes. Um, the top end of the West is full of teams that have a bona fide chance to do just that with Nashville playing real good hockey, Winnipeg in the midst of a nine game homestand playing real good hockey. Um, I'm going to throw the Vegas Golden Knights in there. If they can get a little bit of grit on, on their forward depth. Um, The, you know, with Chicago, it looks like we have the changing of the guard in the central finally um, with, with Winnipeg and Nashville and, you know Dallas has been playing very well.
2: I hate to interrupt, but we'll have Jamie Thomas within the next ten minutes. Okay.
0: The, okay. okay, that's just good. To
2: throw that out there. I got it's my good. I that's got true. my eye on him. Okay. okay. I know.
0: I know. Yeah, a I think Nashville man, and Winnipeg uh, are, just... pretty,
2: are pretty. A pretty. Yeah the, the the Jets I think moved back their practice a bit, so it uh, it, it threw a little things into haywire, but. Uh, uh, I think Nashville, even though it's not the biggest of leads, but I I, I feel pretty confident with the way they've pretty much played from pillar to post this year and how, con- how good and how consistent both teams have been. You know, the question is who's going to win the division, right? Winnipeg or Nashville. Um, so that will be, you know, and to be honest with you, I don't know how, I mean, I guess it could come into play later on in terms of home ice uh, after the first round, but in terms of a first-round matchup, I mean, if you're whoever wins that division is going to get one of the wild card teams. So if you compare that to a St. Louis or a Dallas, let's say, uh, if you're Winnipeg or Nashville, I think it's going to be pretty comparable. You know, what I mean, if you get, you know, and and honestly, depending upon the matchup, it, it might be better or worse. It might be, you know, if I was Winnipeg, I would not want to face, let's say, if I won the division. I would want would not want to face the Kings, an experienced team with a, a goalie like Jonathan Quick, or even to a lesser extent, the sh- you know, the Sharks with Martin Jones oh, and a you know a veteran team as well, um, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, Ducks would be looking for payback
0: be, for last year too. If if they end up in that wild card spot in Nashville, that could be another great series.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too thrilled about to that. So. <laughs> um, uh, to say that, you know, but again, like if you wind up in the two spot, you know, and, and you avoid that, you know, you can get Dallas. Dallas, is, but you know, again, I said before about Columbus, the Dallas, if my memory serves correct, they didn't have the greatest October, but really since then they've played really well. So maybe it took them a little time to get going on the hitch track. Obviously, they have some di- very dynamic uh, players going on over there. I mean, off has fit in really well uh you know, better is a good goalie. Yeah, so Absolutely. Uh, uh that's 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 a bear of a series, uh, uh that's a bear of a series as well. So um yeah, I, like I said, that those two teams they're gonna be in. So we, we know that. We know Nashville and Winnipeg are, are are going to be in. So uh and we know Vegas is gonna be in. But other than that, uh I don't know how much uh uh, we, we know uh, in terms of uh, all the other teams. Don't kind of like St. Louis's and, and Dallas' odds where they're at, they're a little bit ahead of the other teams. But you know what? You have one bad week, and all of a sudden, uh, you fall back in the pack for those two teams. Basically, where they're at, they have cushion for a week right now.
0: Well, the rest of this Vegas uh, Golden Knights homestand is going to go a long way to deciding who does what in the division. After tonight's Montreal uh, Anaheim, Calgary, Vancouver, L.A., L.A. So that's that's like four or five four-point games in a row. And I think that's going to, you know, if they can, let's say, four out of five or run the table on the rest of this homestand, and the L.A., L.A. is a home and home. So if they split that, I look at them putting distance I mean, 10 points is a lot this time of year, but they're going to be looking to put more distance between themselves and the rest of the division as well as, as the West if if they can finish out this homestand. And, you know, I won't say that any of those teams can be eliminated with a one or two four-point losses, but it, it, they could sure get behind the eight ball coming through T-Mobile here in the next eight days.
2: Um, well, I did if read if they can um, I finish this quick, homestand
0: read, right about. Go ahead.
2: I, I I I did read an interesting rumor the other day that affected your Kings, and it gave me a chuckle. And also, what we talked about last week on how high the prices are, and it seems like the Rangers, since jumping into the sell, being a seller, has decided to lead the pack in in um, uh, aggressive offers. So apparently, the Kings very much want Rick Nash are very interested in Rick Nash, and he would be a good fit, I believe. Uh, but so when they called the Rangers, the rumor was, the Rangers said, "Yeah, yeah, he's," uh, and I think he's on the list that he can get traded to the Kings that he gave. He said, "Yeah, give us Gabe already, you know, in the first round pick. I think he was 11th overall last year, and we got a done deal." King said, "Okay, well, that is not going to happen. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll talk to you at another time." So. You know, right now the price yeah we'll
0: larger,
2: revisit just, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to. Yeah, that's not happening. We're not trading Gabe Velarde, who we're really high on, <laughs> who's a first round pick, who, who arguably could have gone in the top five in last year's draft for a rental player, who's a good player, but not, you know, he's not an elite player anymore. So, uh, it, it's just, a, it's just, a, and the fact that we really haven't seen any of these deals go down yet, um, it'll be interesting. And I wonder if the first one goes down, will that kind of, you know, will that, for lack of a better term, set the market and right. some of the other sellers and buyers who've been talking say, like the buyers say, okay, look, you, you know, you've been asking for like 40 to 50% or more than you should, it, you know, so so and such, such and such deal went this went down. Let's 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 come on. Let's be serious now. That you know you you haven't gotten that deal. You're not getting that deal from anybody. Let's be serious now. So I wonder if that. And then the the selling GM says, "You know what? You're right. Okay, let's let's talk turkey."
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I like Rick Nash to the Kings. I don't think. don't think he really fits anymore with what the direction that they're going under coach Stevens they're playing a lot of youth they're playing they're they're, you know Kempe follow. um their, their their speed is on the uptick they're playing a little bit faster game I watched the Tampa game last week and most of their attack was coming off the rush I don't think Rick Nash fits that um three years ago, four years ago under coach Sutter, I'd like the Rick Nash ad, <coughs> excuse me. But right now, I, and, and if you're trading for a rental, you're hoping for help in the playoffs, right? And Rick Nash historically does not play well in the playoffs. I think I saw a stat where he has uh, 40 plus career playoff games, maybe even 60. It was, and he only has 18 career playoff goals. So I, for for what right. the Kings are trying to do right now, I don't really like the Rick Nash ad right now, and I, I see an. So if you're
2: going to get a Ranger in, forward, you want Matt. You want Matt Zuccarello, who's more of a speed guy I, than Rick Nash.
0: Absolutely, I think Zuccarello fits in more with what the Kings are trying to do right now. Well, let me let me jump right in and welcome Jamie Thomas to the ho- to the show. Oh, uh, Jamie, thank you for coming on and taking some of your Saturday to spend some time with us, sir.
1: Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Jamie's the host of Winnipeg Jets TV and also the Jets insider. Um, Let's start off with last night right away. Uh, Jets Jets take care of Colorado 6-1. They're in the middle of the season-long nine-game homestand. uh, Eight points so far. Florida and the Kings on deck to finish it out. Last night seemed to be the way the Jets want to play, a prototypical game. Prototypical game for them, if you will. Um, Kyle Connor, Pascaline, and Wheeler all on the scoreboard. Uh, secondary scoring coming from Cobb. The defense shipping in with Boss, Emson, and Myers all adding assists. And uh, Hellbuck stopping 30 of 31 shots. So is this the game? Is this indicative of how this just needs to play in order to be successful? Or did the frost on the cappuccino there for Colorado just get messed up in the hotel there last night?
1: Well, you can look at it a couple of ways. First off, the, the Colorado Avalanche were without Nathan McKinnon. As we all know, before he got hurt, he was playing right. at an MVP-type level. So, uh, without his 24 goals and 60 points in the lineup, Colorado's a completely different team, especially on the road. And I, I, They've won 10 games in a row on home ice, but the, I've seen all four games between these two teams this year, uh, live in front, but Colorado's a completely different team on home ice than they are, even without Nathan McKinnon. So, that the jets took advantage of that also um winnipeg had kind of been in a little bit of a slump i guess in some ways you know they lose those two games on home ice for the first time back to back uh we're not it didn't look right. good against the washington capitals they fight they fight back right and then i think that kind of got the old ball rolling again but the one thing that and I, I know you guys have heard this blake wheeler has pointed out quickly is there's still a beat-up hockey team trying to figure out how to win from night to night and and as much as people don't want to give the likes of Adam Lowry and Brandon Tanev a lot of credit and how important they are to this lineup, they're very instrumental to what Winnipeg does and what, what they want to do uh, when they start getting closer and closer to playing playoff-type hockey. And uh, you go against heavy teams like St. Louis, you need Adam Lowry as your third-line center uh, going against the other team's best. You need Brandon Tanev, your team the team leader in hits. You need Jacob Truba uh, on the other side with Josh Morris as your number-one shutdown pair. So... The key thing is here. Yes, they're getting wins, but they realize they're doing it with a much younger roster than they want to go to. You know, night night in and night out with when he gets to the postseason. Um, but I think you're happy with what you have. Being five, two, and one this 10 game homestand, uh, they're they're getting there. They're just trying to keep putting it through to the younger players' heads that it's just one night, one win. We're a long ways away from what they want to be, what what they want to accomplish here.
0: Well, to that point, they also out-hit out the Avs last night 23-16 to 16, and blocked 14 yeah. shots, which kind of shows what you're mm-hmm. saying. That. And I, I like to say that the Jets play kind of a hybrid style because they have the big bodies and they can play the physical game. And is it yeah. is it fair to say that they're at their best when they're banging bodies down low and, and they're playing their physical game and then they can get the puck out, get it to their skill guys with with Connor and Line and, and those guys, moving yeah. forward with their speed in transition and taking advantage of that to create offense. Is that, is that what, when the Winnipeg Jets are playing their best hockey? Well,
1: you'll, you'll hear Paul Murray's often following a loss that we, they didn't skate well. And, and as they are a big team, yes, but and yes, they are a very skilled team, but if they're not skating, they don't, they don't have a whole lot of success. And if you watch any of their games this year and that that's been the incredible part about this team, especially here at Bell MTS place is, you can list four games maybe at, at most where they did not play very well. So you can be selective about back in October, they, they played awful against the Columbus Blue Jackets, probably the worst game they played here this year, but they didn't skate that night very well at all. Uh, you know, the loss to Chicago 5-1 on December 15th or December 14th, uh, didn't skate that well at all, that, that night at all. So their, their hitting game comes from their skating. If they're skating they're hitting, they're making plays. That's when the Winnipeg Jets are at their best is when they're moving their feet and uh, creating the offense and taking the offense to the other team instead of the other team, allowing the other team to dictate how they want to play.
0: All right. Uh, we're talking with Jamie Thomas on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I want to go ahead and bring in Chris because I know he has a few questions to get to you. And, and again, thank you for for taking
2: some of your Saturday to talk
0: hockey with us. Chris, go ahead, sir. Sure. My pleasure, guys.
2: Hey, Jamie, great to talk to you. So, Jamie, you know, I looked at it as, uh, you know, the Jets coming into the season uh, were a team Mm -hmm. to watch for, watch out for. Yeah. And so far, they've been one of the better teams in the whole NHL. Uh, So what, if you could tell me, what two or three reasons why that has happened with this young, talented team?
1: Uh, easy. Uh, number one is Connor Hellebuck. Um, a guy last year, uh, who had a lot of ups and downs was just learning, um, the day to day, you know, being the number one net for this hockey team and what it takes to mentally prepare yourself and physically prepare yourself for the grind of a national hockey league season. So even though he didn't have the wins, and, uh, that he wanted a year ago. He learned what it took to take care of his body, and that's what he really focused in on the offseason is is how to handle these long stretches of starting games and the ups and downs of a long NHL season. So he was more mentally prepared this year. He's been so good. Recorded his 30th win last night. He's closing in on a franchise record, uh, you know, uh, along back in 2006, 2007. If he gets the 36 wins this year, which it looks by all intents and purposes he will – uh, he's up to 30 right now. Um, he's been so huge. He's been consistent night in and night out. And that's what I think in years past, especially the first since 2011, since the Jets got here, and maybe in the last two years, you're like, how good could the Jets be if they just had good goaltending? And now that question's been answered with Connor Hellebuck this year. The second thing is Blake Wheeler has really taken his leadership and his game to another level at 31, which is, you know, most guys are starting to, tapered down in their national hockey league career because it's a young man's game but Blake Wheeler seems to be getting better night in and night out and especially with the season in terms of his leadership so he's been even though he hadn't scored in 15 games he had dished in the pocket he's been playing with very young forwards on the right and left side without Mark Shifley in the lineup so now that Shifley's back you're starting to see all that go so and then last but not least the young kids you know Kyle Connor didn't start the league the year in the national hockey league but now he comes I got a, a call up and now has 19 goals uh jack roslavik got called up in december 30th took him a little bit but now he's starting to fit in he's moved up and down the line he's been very versatile um and then last but not least six nhl quality defensemen um and that's even without jacob truba in the lineup you know there's been tucker poolman filling in um ben Sherrod has raised this game he's been very consistent so it's just A night in and night out, the Jets have had six NHL quality defensemen to go to, and that's uh, the four top reasons why the Jets have been so good this year.
2: I got two more for you, Jamie Boyer, Hanjo, and Mark. Sure. um, When I look at the Jets from afar, I say, you know, we were just talking about it. They're going to either, you know, just win the division in the Central or they're going to just finish in second place. But I look at this team, I see a lot of young guys and not pretty much no playoff experience. And even though some some of their other guys, like Shifley and Wheeler, they don't have a ton of playoff experience. So they're going to play in the first round a team either like St. Louis or Dallas or Anaheim or the Kings. And those teams have a lot of playoff experience, guys who know what it takes, and the Jets Mm -hmm. don't really have much. How much of a concern do you think that is uh, for, for Jeff fans we we'll want to see a long spring, a playoff
1: I, I think, of course, yeah. And I, I totally understand your question. And, and it's it's very important that you have some type of playoff experience. Um, that's where a Matt Hendricks comes in. I know Matt Hendricks wasn't in, in the lineup for the Edmonton Oilers a year ago. Uh, he's kind of important. Dustin Bufflin does have that playoff experience, course, winning a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks um wheeler got a little bit you know toby anstrom got a little bit in that uh, very short playoff run that they had in 2015. i just think the coaching staff is so well-rounded and have been in their heads every day talking about how this is one day at a time this is a process we're slowly starting to build something here um i don't think i get the concern i just think they match up you go if they go up against the st louis they match up very well against st louis physically and talent-wise as well so i think if you get past that first round then i think the wheel starts turning it's just that early thing on and and yes the questions out there do you have to go out there and get a playoff type warrior at the trade deadline i just think there's so much the jets have to figure out of who's coming back from the injury uh you know jacob truba adam Lauer, again Brian uh, before they start making those decisions of do they bring in a guy with nhl playoff experience just and then kind of bring another body into the room. So the answer, that's a long-winded question, answer to your question, but I think they shouldn't be that concerned about the lack of experience in that dressing room.
2: Well, that was my final question is on the trade deadline. And, you know, yeah. are the Jets looking uh, – first of all, put uh, in, their, in their heart of hearts, is there an area – obviously they're fine in, in goal, but is there an area yeah. either getting another defenseman or another forward – that they would love to add to this team? uh, And what kind of player would that be that they're looking to? And and are they going to be willing to give up uh, a kid down below or a good draft pick? So uh, all those things wrapped up into one, if you will.
1: Yeah, certainly. I think another thing you'd have to ask is uh, what about a backup goaltender? Uh, We're not quite sure yet. Uh, Both Steve Mason and uh, Michael Hutchinson skated today. They're getting really close to um, facing pucks again in practice, which is is a huge step forward. Um, but if those injuries don't melt out, do you have to bring in another backup goaltender? Because in case Connor Hellebuck gets hurt, that's the thing you have to ask yourself. And I'm sure that's what Kevin Shoveldayoff is asking. Uh, and again, going back to Adam Lowry, uh, how long is he out for? If you don't have him back for the playoffs, then I, you certainly have to get a center up the middle because they're they're really thin up the middle right now without him. And I'm talking size and physicality wise. And then on the blue line, how long is Jacob Truba out for? So you certainly would need another fifth or sixth defenseman or even a fourth defenseman uh, if he's out for significant periods because you do not want to fall out of the race in the Central Division considering how tight it is. So I think if Lowry's out long-term, you need a centerman. If Truba's out for a while longer, you need a fourth defenseman. And then certainly if Steve Mason or Michael Hutchinson can't be back in time, uh, before the Jets go on that long road trip in March, you got to get a backup goaltender. So uh, those are just some of the the holes I see them filling in if they have to. I'm just not sure if they're ready to part with a first-round pick that the that, that you know, like Ottawa is looking for for a Derek Broussard or uh, Rick Nash for the Rangers. Those are the types of players I'm trying to figure out if the Jets are willing to part with that type of draft capital, as you will, uh, in order to to fill the holes that they that they might have.
0: All right. Well, this is Mark. I'm back with Jamie Thomas on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and and real quick before we let you go, we were able to uh, kind of steal one of your colleagues from Jets TV and Jets broadcast in Shane Knighty, who we've had on the show, and he's a great guy. Um, yeah. Just your thoughts on on okay. Vegas on the whole Vegas phenomenon. Oh yeah, fantastic guy. Um, and you 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 saw the Jets there in Winnipeg to kick off this home homestand, and the the Knights were able to yeah. escape with a win. Um, you just your thoughts on the whole Vegas phenomenon
1: and, and, and what that means to the league. Uh, I think it's just a great story. And if you're the Seattle franchise, that's so close to coming to the national hockey league, I think three years, I think you're thrilled because the NHL has figured out a way to make sure that an NHL team is, uh, at least be able to compete in their first year in the league, which is so critical, um, to the fan base and building your season ticket base. Um, I think the, the the Vegas Golden Knights are outside of the realm of we shouldn't even be talking about them as a surprise anymore. Now it's just like, okay, <laughs> how far can this team go, right? And that right. Vegas flu thing is garbage. It's just they're a very quick hockey team. They get on you fast. They wait for you to make mistakes. They're well coached. So that's that, to me, it's ridiculous to even say they're a surprise anymore because Gerard Gallant is clearly great at what he does. Um, management is fantastic. Ownership is fantastic. they brought in players that want to prove they belong in the National Hockey League. That's a deadly combination. In my, and you're getting great goaltending. So that, that has been so rare for an expansion franchise in years past that this, this is no longer a phenomenon anymore. There's just a really good playoff-style hockey team ready to go do some damage uh, when, when April rolls around. Now you just have to figure out, what are they going to do? What is George McPhee going to do to help the thing instead of what we were thinking was going to happen is like build for the future. Cause you still have to look long-term and not get rid of players that you can help you in the long-term instead of, instead of having short-term success. I'm just very curious to see what George McPhee is going to do uh, at the deadline to see if he's going to build on this, because I think they have something special. I just think when teams start getting heavier uh, on the golden Knights can they compete with those types of teams like a Los Angeles Kings in a long drawn out series or an Anaheim Ducks team in a long drawn out series could Vegas handle that and that's what I think we're going to find out very soon but there's certainly a playoff worthy uh, caliber hockey team uh, that has learned how to win real fast here and it's been it's been special to watch and they're fun to watch and you've never said that about the yeah. expansion team in the history of this league so that I think people should be thrilled about it and uh, I'm sure I'm I'm thrilled that it's working out because I'm so tired of hearing that Vegas is not a true hockey market. I'm just glad this is happening because it's just, I'm tired of people complaining about certain markets in the NHL. It's like, they're, Florida has a team, let's just get over it. And it's good for the league that this is so spread out and it's working. And I'm also glad that these expansion type players are getting this opportunity because that just shows to me that hockey is a global game. There are lots of good hockey players in this world, and there's enough to have 32 teams in the National Hockey League, period. Well, that was one of the rubs that I, and we've been doing the show since about a week after they announced the ticket drive
0: here in Las Vegas. So we're three years and over hundred episodes into this thing. And, and obviously I've spent yeah. a lot of time arguing with Canada on Twitter about uh, whether yeah. or not Vegas deserves a team. And, and I've always said that I, Quebec city deserves a hockey team. There's no question about it. I thought mm-hmm. that having Vegas and Quebec city go in together would be a great dichotomy and that, that we could look to Back City to set the bar for you know how successful Vegas can be with a traditional, non-traditional right. market going in together. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But to, to your point, no. um, with Coach Gallant and how well this team is coached, I don't think that's any surprise because we saw what he was able to do with Florida in the couple of years that he was there. He turned them into a, a playoff team and, and very critical of how they, they handled letting him go, and we've seen him yeah. do it. Early on here, and he's been through the expansion process with Columbus as well. So that's a great fit. Note to Seattle, don't think that it's that easy to do, even with the no. rules. Um, George, George yeah. McPhee's done a great job of blending, you know, the the people in the room and, and putting together a locker room that genuinely enjoys playing for each other. And I think that is a big part of the success of this team as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys 100. percent. It's just, it's a great story, and I hope it continues. And I know the Seattle people. I'm sure Seattle fans are looking at this and going, "Hey, maybe we can do that too." But it's all about, it's all about management. It's all about coaching. So, and, and of course, you have to get the right players to fit into your system. So, it's good that uh, congratulations on getting into 100 episodes, guys. And it's a, it's a great story, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah,
2: Jamie, all right. Well, thank the you the so much for up.
1: taking the time.
2: Yeah, all right, guys. The have Make some noise in the playoffs, Jamie, and uh, love you have it back on uh, during that time, if possible.
1: Yeah, you, you you guys let me know whenever you want me to come on. I'm more than happy to come on. I apologize for coming on later today.
2: No worries. Thanks, don't, don't even
1: sweat it. Don't
0: even sweat it. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. You too, guys. All right, Jamie Thomas. Follow him on Twitter at Jamie Thomas TV for all of his Winnipeg Jets NHL content. Um, fantastic show with with jamie going in depth on on the jets and and what we can expect to see from them the rest of the way um great pull by you to pull him in chris kudos to you and 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 your content management sir always top of the line for the show i appreciate your effort on that one sir good job no
2: no worries and we'll have another great guest returning guest next week mr chris wassell talk about the devils and the metro and uh and then two weeks, we'll have on our post deadline show. We'll have we'll bring back our good old friend JD Styles. So we got some good shows coming up.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, make sure you go to Grandstand Sports Net on uh, there, Russ Cohen Sportsology page, thehockeywriters.com, our own Blog Talk Radio and SoundCloud pages, Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word. You can find us on iTunes. And so that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to get this in production and get it off to rush a little bit later today or early tomorrow morning uh, for your, all, all your hockey listening needs. We appreciate everybody coming along for the ride, and it was great to talk with Mr. Thomas from Winnipeg today. Uh, so for Chris, I'm Mark. That's going to do it for this week, and we're gone. <laughs>